Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. So I'm reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And it says, He went to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fasted on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Hey, on this Christmas Eve Sunday, I want to speak to you um, and share a message from you from this thought, this idea. If you're taking notes, and I hope you do, because a lot of this message will be practical in nature. I want to speak to you from this idea, the Christmas ring. The Christmas ring. Come on, can you pray with me? Um, Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday, Lord, and we're, we're so excited that we get to um, celebrate, look forward to a monumental moment, Lord, where hope was born, where you came in, um, you lived this sinless life, you died for our sins, you resurrected, and today we're so grateful that it didn't stay Christmas, but that you sit at the right hand of the Father, Lord that you are crowned with power and authority, that you make not only intercession for us, Lord, but you guide our life. And through the Holy Spirit, you live inside of us. So we're so grateful for who you are and what you've done, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that as we proclaim the gospel, as we talk about who you are, Jesus, I pray that you would be manifested in this place and that you would change lives, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in this place? That clap sounded like you're mad at the Falcons. Can you do me a favor and can y'all make some noise for Jesus on this beautiful Christmas Eve? Come on. The Christmas ring. The Christmas ring. I, uh, nothing in life will test your gangster as much as children. I mean, it won't. John, you're going to learn. I promise you, you're going to learn. The same thing, Rebecca, Aiden, you guys are going to learn. Nothing in life, they just had kids. Nothing in life would test your gangster like kids. Especially kids when you got to wake them up in the morning to take them to school. Amen. Praise the Lord. Here, here, I remember when I was a kid, it wasn't that hard. My mom would go in there and she would say, hey, it's time for school. She would turn on the lights. If I didn't wake up, she would get a cup of water and she would throw water on me. The trauma that she instilled in me, I instill in my children every now and then as well. They got to, that's the only way you're going to be strong. You got to receive this water in the name of Jesus. I, uh, we, and when I was coming up, we didn't have iPhones, Androids. You know what I mean? We didn't have the internet. There was no the Google. You know what I mean? We didn't have none of that stuff. I think if you were born 90s down or 90s and older, I think that everyone, 95% of you had this guy. This is how you woke up. And this next screen that's going to show you up, it's going to pop up right now. Watch. And it's bam. Y'all remember that? 95%. I don't know how. Illuminati. I don't know how. But we all had that mug. And you woke up to 411 pain commercials. You woke up to 411 patients. Or you listen to Gerald Levert. I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't remember which one. But you would, you would listen to all of those. Hey, 
once again, if you, once again, eh, let me just say this real quick because I know some new people came in and the host team is telling me, si necesitas traducción, si necesitas traducción para el sistema, nosotros tenemos las traducciones para el sistema. Si levanten la mano si necesitan traducción, perfecto. Le van a poner este sistemita en la mano eh, y lo que va a pasar es que usted va a poner los audífonos y va a apretar el botón en el medio que dice play. Aguántelo por dos segundos, se prende y van a escuchar la voz linda de Nuno Gabriel López. Aleluya. That sounded holy. That sounded holy. Lynn, I think you got to call Nuno now or somebody has to call him so that he can hear the message. Um, hey, so, so, that, so that, that clock woke us up. I mean, that was, we were living in a totally different era in those days. I, uh, I, I woke my kids up the other day and they just decided to lallygag a little bit. Um, and it was crazy because I'm like, you know, they'll test you gangster. You know what I mean? I'm a pastor. I'm holy. Hallelujah. And so I'm like, I'm trying to like, you know, you'll get up, get up, get up. After four times of getting up, I just snatch the covers from them and then I torture them with the water. They get up. We're, we're heading to school late. And so Georgia, y'all different. I'm from Miami, Florida. We've been here for about seven years, so I've learned a, a little bit. But it, you could take a Georgia street and that mug will turn into a street, an avenue, a, a corner, a court, a terrace. It'll make so many lines and twists and turns. You'll be in one city and end up in another county. I mean, it just, y'all, this is this, different. But I've learned that there's some shortcuts that you can't take. And so I was like, yo, you know what? I'm going to jump on the shortcut because I know I'm, you know, I'm, I might be going, you know, I got, I did good that week as far as my sins were concerned. And the Lord, I think, had spared a couple of sins that I had, you know what I mean, that I could use. It doesn't work like that. Don't do it. Trust me. Don't do that. And so I, 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 I'm driving through the street and I see these guys who are working, these construction workers, and I'm like, this is the best. You know what I mean? Like, I'm late. Kids are going to be late. And this guy is holding one of those stop signs. You know what I mean? Where they hold stop. And then when they tell him, he flips it to slow. And then you get to go. The dude's on his phone. And off top, I'm just, I'm a little nervous now. Because I'm like, is he even paying attention? He's on his phone. And I mean, he's just lost. You know, he's on Instagram, TikTok, something. And he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, I watch this guy start to walk up the hill and walk towards him. And now I want to be calm and patient because I'm trying to teach my kids. I'm trying not to honk because that's another thing that Georgia doesn't do. You don't honk. And I'm sitting there and the guy walks up to him and pushes him. He's like, bro, look. And he turns around and the guy looks. He's like, oh, okay. And he flips it around to slow. I'm like. So we've been waiting here this entire time. You got one job, bro. One job to flip it to slow so that we can go. And so I just, you know, calmly, needless to say, needless to say, We were late that day um, for the kids. As I was preparing this message, and even in that moment, God started to show me something. What happens is that that picture of that man holding that sign up is such an illustration of what religion looks like. Where you have these individuals, and sometimes, man, I love, today I spent most of my morning praying for pastors, friends of mine who are leading churches on this Christmas Eve, that God would bring revival to that place, that salvation would happen, that miracles would happen, that God would use them. But what happens is that men who have took the place that I've taken have created this stop and slow sign that it's like you can't come to God unless you. 
Hey, you got to slow down. You can't come to God. You can't come like that. And can I tell you, when I came to God, in fact, for those of them that are telling the stop sign and the slow, the way that you came to God, the way that they came to God, they were broken, an absolute disaster and a mess. But God found us in our most broken, weakest place. And he rescued us. He saved us. There was no stop sign in hell that was ever going to stop God from rescuing me. There was no slow sign. God came to find me. But religion has a way of telling you to stop. Slow down. You can't come to God. Jesus came to break that paradigm. I chose that scripture on a Christmas Sunday, not just highlighting the baby because the baby is important. But what did the baby come to do? And what I think Jesus did in this scripture was that he talked about six different things that I, I, I've seen him do in my own personal life. I guarantee you that you've seen him do these things in your life. And for some of us that are in this room, there's some things that we need him to do in our life. The Bible says that Jesus came in and he begins to preach and he opens up the scroll and he reads from the prophet Isaiah and he begins by saying, I came to proclaim the gospel to the poor, the gospel. This is the good news. This thing right here has been painted and when you hear it, it has so many different brushstrokes that sometimes it's impossible or it's even hard for us to understand it. In fact, Paul knew that this was coming and it was actually happening during his time. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse, verse 3, it says, I am afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve, that your minds have been corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I think it's needless to say that all of us at some point or another have blown it. You know, I, I, don't, I don't blow it because I'm holy. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. And you know, I don't sin because I'm a man of God. I just don't tuck my jacket in. You know what I'm saying? Because Christmas. I never argued with somebody and said bad things in my head on Facebook. Or have I driven and made a left-hand turn and when I'm about to make a left-hand turn, somebody's making a right-hand turn and they stop. Why do you stop? Just make the right hand turn. And so I don't, you know, I don't get upset, you know, because I'm holy. <laughs> I think we've all blown it. I think we've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. We've all done things that we weren't proud of. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus, the story of Christmas is that he didn't stay a baby, but that he lived a life that me and you cannot live. He lived a sinless life. And then not just another religious service for us to go to, the Easter season is about a person who violated, they were holding the stop signs up. And Jesus was saying to them, there is no longer an impediment. There's no longer requirement. There's no longer stop signs. I don't care about your stop signs. I have become the sign. And so now access to God, the requirement to God has become Jesus because of his death, burial, and his resurrection. And so here it is now that we have access to a relationship with God because of Jesus. But religion paints this picture that you got to work more at it and work more at it. And it illustrates what you did. And it doesn't put enough of a focus on what God already did for you. That Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live. He paid a price that you could not afford so that you can live the life that is in relationship with God. The gospel. When it talks about the gospel being preached to the poor, please understand that this has nothing to do with an economic bracket. This has everything to do with you not being able to afford the cost that it takes for you to earn salvation. But that Jesus came to preach that I am bridging that gap. You no longer, your mistakes don't intimidate me. Your doubts don't intimidate me. You have access to me and it comes through faith, not through your works. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he says, and then he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to heal the brokenhearted. 
me and my wife, we spent a few weeks uh, last uh, during this Christmas season, and we talked about this idea of mental health because we believe that it's something that's um, plaguing us, something that's hurting us, something that I think we struggle with. Um, for some of us in here, depression has you gripped more than you ever imagined. Um, anxiety. I mean, there's so many things that happen. And we illustrated, we showed you Christian writers as well as secular writers together, they have come up with probably nine different reasons as to why mental health is prevalent in the life of an individual. Can I tell you that only two of them have to do with your genetics, your DNA, or your brain changes? Everything else has to do with your lifestyle changes. Meaningful work, meaningful values, comparison, ruminating and self-talk, the inability to process pain in a healthy way, isolation and loneliness, spiritual warfare. We talked about these things for two weeks, so I'm not going to belabor them. But when we think about healing the brokenhearted, I feel like I've been there a lot. The word brokenhearted or heartbroken, I just wanted to Google it to see what it actually meant. It says to be heartbroken is to be so sad that it feels like your heart has cracked inside of your chest. I mean, you ever felt that? You just walk, some of us are in this room now and we feel that. And it feels like, man, it just, I'm broken. I, I can't even, everything is, I'm numb to everything. People talk to me in the Christmas season and oh, this is all great, but man, I'm heartbroken. Can I tell you that Jesus came to heal your broken heart? That's cute, Chino. How does he do it? I want to show you Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 20 to 30. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our broken heart gets fixed when we bring it to Jesus. I struggle with that. I struggled with that. And sometimes I even do, I'm, I'm doing a lot better. I'm doing 95% better than I ever done because I'm a fixer. Because I didn't have people around me to help me to solve my problems. I had to figure it out on my own. My upbringing wasn't that I had a mom and a dad that was there. My mom was there. She was amazing. But she worked 18 hours a day sometimes, 12 hours every day. And so I had to figure things out even at an early age. And it's hard for me to think that God will come to fix anything in my life. In fact, I felt like my relationship, especially the first beginning part of my relationship with God, it was all about me doing things for God. It was all about me helping God and fixing things and talking to people. And as much as I do for God, that's what pleases God until God had to sit me down and explain to me, I got you. You need to stop doing so much for me. I've done it for you already. My mom was in the hospital and she was in pretty bad shape and I couldn't fix it. I'm not a doctor. I got a, G I got a GD and I got a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. That ain't got nothing to do with medicine. I put some Neosporin on you and vape vapor rub because I'm Cuban. <laughs> Call it a day. My, my mom was in the hospital. And I couldn't do. I was rebuking the the. I was rebuking the the blood pressure machine. It, her blood pressure was perfect, but it, the numbers didn't look right to me because one was higher than the other. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, align these numbers. I didn't know. I didn't know. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm trying. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until I had a conversation with somebody at the church that we were in that knew where my mom was, knew my mom. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of her. Something happened when I found out that somebody was with my mom that I knew and that they were going to take care of her. 
Something happens when you understand, God, I'm putting my broken heart in your hands and I'm trusting that even though I can't see you working, even though I don't see your hand at work, even though I don't have a clue how you're going to do it, I know that you're healing and I know that you're restoring. Can I tell you my life time and time again that I've been broken hearted? I've had to take those moments and say, God, I don't know how you can fix it. In fact, I hope that you would crush this person for breaking my heart, but I know that you love them and I know that you loved me. And in the presence of the Lord, he's restored me, y'all. He's brought me back to health. He's done it in your life. He will heal the brokenhearted. I mean, it's a promise of scripture. Psalms 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147.3 said, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wound. He came to heal us. We may be shaken on the outside, but we don't have to be stirred on the inside. God came to heal your broken heart. Not only did he come to heal the broken heart, he came to bring freedom to the captives. He came to bring freedom to the captives. I am a weird dreamer. I will dream, I mean, I'll be robbing a bank and then I'm like sitting there eating lunch with you and then I'll be rebuking a demon and then I'll come back and I'm like trying to get in a fight with somebody and I can't hit them, so I'm like, I learned though, you got to get real close and you just got to like, it's the weirdest thing, dude. It's the weirdest thing. And then when you try to run, you're just like, nah. you ever had those dreams? It's just like, you, you just, have you ever had those dreams awake? Meaning, have you felt so stuck and you felt like you couldn't fight your way out of anything? You couldn't run out of anything. You couldn't run past your hurt. You couldn't run past your past. You, you can't run past your failures. You said something and you go home and you're constantly ruminating. What my wife explained, you're constantly thinking about that thing that you said and you're like, how stupid am I? Why did I say that again? Why is it that I did that? Have you ever found yourself so stuck that you can't fight yourself out of a wet paper bag? It feels like depression, anxiety. All of these things are so, they're holding me captive. I can't fight my way out of sin because every time that I get tempted, I fall immediately. As soon as I feel it in my chest, I'm gone that way. As soon as I feel the anger, it rises up. And before you know it, I'm standing in the aftermath of another blackout moment where I put another hole in the wall. I put another hole in somebody's soul, somebody's heart with the words that I said. And I find myself just going absolutely bunker because I'm captive. And it doesn't feel like I'm a prisoner to this thing. Anxiety, depression, all of these things have me. I'm locked up and I'm chained. And there's nothing that I could do about this thing. When Jesus was talking about this, he explained, and, and in scripture, you can see several different ways that he helps those that are bound and that are captives. One of the ways that he brings them is through salvation. Salvation is not about you giving tithes at the church. It's not about you serving on team. You can do all of those things. Those things are a byproduct. Salvation is the first step. You can't earn it. You can't find your way into salvation. God freely gives that to you. But here it is. When you're finding yourself that you are a captive, you can come to God, right? When you give your heart to God, what the scriptures taught us is that he will now take you. He will bring freedom to you. It happens interiorly. I can't explain how it happens, but something happens where sin had a hold on me. And sin would not let me let go of this thing. Whatever that thing was, the addiction, the whatever, I couldn't let go of it. There was a moment that I gave my life to Jesus. I placed my trust in Jesus. And the moment that I did that, it's not... Here, the power of that thing was broken in my life. Can I tell you that there were times in my life that I willfully said, I know I got freedom, but I just want to go back to it. I had to force myself to go back because the power of it was broken in my life. I no longer desired it the way that I used to. And then it gave me rest. 
especially in the Christmas season. That word right there, some of y'all are waiting for me to stop running my mouth so you can go home because Christmas starts the moment church finishes and you're just ready to rest. You took Monday off. Glory to God. Don't talk to me, kids. You're not going to eat. Eat whatever's in there. Ramen, soup, and cereal. If we don't have milk, put some water in that bad boy. You just, you, come on, parents, say that, man. But some of us are like, it's not that easy, Chino. I got to go to work tomorrow, buddy. That sounds great. I love it. But rest has nothing to do with inactivity and it has everything to do with the condition of your soul. That God wants to bring rest to you. He wants to bring salvation, but you have to, you have to come to him. I, uh, I'm really excited because Pray 21, which I talked about earlier, these are the moments where we're going to take 21 days and we're going to lean into the presence of God. We're going to spend time with him in prayer. For some of you, you might be able to get up in the morning and be here from 6 to 7 a.m. For some of us, that might be, yo, I got to get the kids. I'm not going to be able to do that. But every, every morning, I'm going to jump online and I'm going to join you guys online. But you know what? Every Wednesday, I'm going to be here. And regardless if I'm not here in person, yo, every single day, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read through the prayer focuses and I'm going to actually lean into this thing that you guys are doing. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. And what happens is that you're going to watch yourself drawing closer to God, but then you're going to watch yourself drawing closer to people because we're doing this thing together. What God has used in my life to break me as a captive has been not only his presence, not only who he is, but people. Walking on the journey with people that told me, Chino, you're an idiot. Chino, stop doing that. Chino, keep your pants up. Chino, stop doing that. Chino, stop stealing. Chino, stop lying. Chino, stop doing these things. When people taught me these things, I grew up as a young man and I was able to learn the ways of the Lord because somebody who was older than me taught me these things. It's important for us to have relationships in our life. I believe that he recovers. He, I'm sorry, he breaks and he brings freedom to the captives, but then also he brings recovery of sight to the blind. I love the way that he used that word. And I think it was intentional the way that Isaiah, when he penned these words, because Jesus was, he was explaining or reading a verse that Isaiah had wrote. And I love the way that he explained that. Because for some of us in this room, this is the one that we struggle with the most because we've lost all vision. And I don't mean the inability to see I mean, in your own heart, it's hard for you to see where tomorrow's going to go. It's hard to see how this marriage is going to get better. It's hard to see how your finances are going to get better. And it feels like you have no vision. It feels like tomorrow is not going to come. It feels like, how am I going to get out of this situation right now? It feels like I am bound and I can't see my way out of it. I love it because the Bible talks about recovery of sight. Recovery, that is actually, that's a process, right? To recover something, it means to, for some of us who have been sick, maybe we're watching online and we're sick, a recovery is something that happens slowly. And God will begin to show you what it is that you dreamed of. He will begin to show you the things that you had in your heart when you were 20 years old, when you were 15. He will begin to give you vision and start to show you a vision, not only for your family, for your own personal life, for your finances. God will begin to show you the promise of scripture is that he's going to bring recovery of sight to the blind. I've, there's times in my life I just couldn't see forward. Yo, the pandemic, as a pastor of a church, I was like, bro, we're not going to make it past this. Who do I send my resume to? I'm going to go work with WOM. <laughs> because I, how am I, I going to do this? And it was in those moments that I was able to draw close to God that God began to the Bible says he, he drops the scales and he begins to show you and the path forward starts to get a little bit more clear. Some of us in this place, man, we, we feel like we don't have no purpose. There's not a plan for my life. I don't know where I'm going. Yo, Jesus does and he wants to bring recovery of sight to you. Number five, he says to bring freedom 
to the oppressed. And before I unpack this, I want to be clear. And I want you to pay attention just a moment. But for those of you that are taking note, in no way am I, am I shining a positive light um, on the devil here. In no way am I trying to create fear inside of your heart or terror inside of your heart. I, I want to do the complete opposite. I actually want to show you in Scripture that we no longer have to be bound and be oppressed by the enemy. Oppression is, uh, and I was asking God during this because I was like, God, you brought freedom to the captives and then you brought freedom to the oppressed. And I was trying to ask God, what, what does this mean? They sound like the same. Freedom to the captive is a person who is chained and can't move. Freedom to the oppressed is a person who might be free, but their heads are just constantly being badgered and you're constantly hearing from the enemy. And there feels like you can't find an escape from being oppressed. I think, watch this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 13, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I think we're okay with God. We're okay with God being a spirit. We don't see him. We're okay with that. That's, you know, God, you know what I mean? We're okay with that. We're, we're, we're okay with Jesus. The fact that he lived a sinless life, he died and now he's alive. He resurrected. That's faith. You know what I mean? We believe in that. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, for some of us, that's where we're like, I don't know, that's kind of weird, you know what I mean? Because you're waiting for me to ask you how much of a seed you're going to sow for me to be able to bless you, for you to speak in tongues, or for you to get a prayer cloth so your family member can be healed. I mean, whatever it is, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we start to get a little bit funky. And that's where we get a little, oh, I don't know, you know what I mean? But here's the truth. I don't want to get into a the theological debate with you. That's not my job here, not what I want to do right now on the platform. We can send us an email, and I'll sit down and we'll talk. We can go to JD's, your treat, and we can get some chicken wings we can get some chicken we could talk all day I will I will explain to you how we've had healings happen in this house I will explain to you how God works all of that stuff that's good but that's not my point because that part right there it feels like Christians we stay in that oh yeah I'm gonna argue with you I'm gonna fight with you but there's a completely different side of this thing that we are ignorant to and the fact that I'm not again I'm not trying to terrorize you or scare you but there are demonic forces there, are, there is a real scheme. The Bible says there's a plan for your life. The bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. If you want to measure how much weight you carry in your calling, look at your life and how much you've been attacked. You'll be able to see how much God is going to do in your life, how much he wants to do in your life. Not only the potential of impact, but I believe the power that he has stored inside of you. I've never seen a movie. In my entire life, I've never seen a movie where people did organized crime. They put some plans together. They were like, okay, you're going to come in through this door to rob a homeless person. They don't have no value. And I'm not speaking. They have eternal value in their souls. But I mean, they don't got a gold chain. They don't got money. Robbers will do this because they have money and they have material value. How much more in your own personal life the enemy has attacked you so hard. You feel like you're under so much oppression because of the value, because of the impact that you carry. Not because God hates you, not because he's abandoned you, but because you are enough. You're strong. There's something hidden inside of you that if you finally get this thing and Jesus wants to show you, you'll be an enemy. You'll be, a, you'll be an enemy to the enemy. You'll be a powerhouse. 
First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When it comes to, when it comes to the spiritual warfare of things, whether by default or design, we don't, we don't talk about Bruno. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the devil. We don't, I don't believe in the devil. You better. You better. Oppression. The, the, closest, the closest translation to the word oppression is, is a bruise. It reminds you of somewhere that you were hurt. A bruise hurts sometimes, but, but usually it reminds you, I was hit right here. And that's what the enemy will constantly remind you of. He'll remind you of how bad you blew it, how many mistakes you made. He'll remind you of the abortion. He'll remind you of the way you lied to that person. He'll remind you of how you cheated. I mean, he's just constantly bickering in your mind. This is oppression. It's, it's constant and you just feel it. God wants to bring healing to you. He doesn't want you to live in that. He wants to bring freedom to you if you're oppressed. For some of us, it's not necessarily that we're oppressed. We're tormented because you're driving in your car and it could be a bright day and maybe everything is even going fine. And all of a sudden, you just, you feel like you just get this thought and you just think, man, if I just wrap myself and wrap this car around that tree, I don't have to worry about tomorrow and people will be better if I'm not here. Hey, can I tell you on this Christmas Eve, you're needed. We love you. You're enough. There's people who need you. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's so madly in love with you. I know that the enemy is tormenting you. And you might be even hearing those thoughts. This is where you got to lean into God. What you did here today, at the beginning of the Bible, I talked about it. Jesus, as was his custom, he went to the temple or he went to church. It's in the context of relationships. It's in the context of life-giving believers that you're going to find freedom. God is going to bring freedom to this oppression that is binding you. But I would tell you, please don't give up. Please don't give up. We're here with you. We love you. Hey, Greater Church, can y'all make some noise for everybody and let them know how much we love them, how much we're with them, how much we care for them. John 15, 13 says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. And I know we're looking for that desperately. Peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus brings freedom to the oppressed. And then the last one is that he proclaims the acceptable year of the Lord. And I don't have time. Um, Leviticus chapter 25, you can go back and read it. It talks about Jubilee. And for seven years, they would work land. The Jew, this is ancient days. For seven years, they would work. For six years, they would work. And on the seventh year, they wouldn't plant anything. And they would rest. And then on that seventh year, they would rest themselves. And for 49 years, they would work. And on the 50th year, 49 and the 50, they actually did it for two years. They would actually, they wouldn't plant. They would rest that time. How many of y'all wish we could just rest for a year? Just get a vacation. Tell your boss, hey, the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 25, you're getting fired. Amen. <laughs> you can rest. You're just not going to be paid. <laughs> but, but, but I think it's, I think it's our souls. I think it's our souls. Jesus comes in. 
And he says, whenever you had those, right, 40 day, 49 years on the 50th year, they would have Jubilee. And what would happen in Jubilee is that everybody, their debt would be canceled and nobody owed anything else. And they would start all over. What Jesus was saying in the scripture was that you no longer have to wait for the 50th year to have your debt canceled. No, he is the debt counselor. You don't have to have a stop sign that tells you when not to come to God or a slow sign to tell you when to come to God. No, no, no. He is the sign. The requirement for you to come to God, for you to get salvation, isn't met by a bunch of things that you check off on a task list. The requirement has a name. His name is Jesus. It is by faith that you give your heart to him. What Jesus was saying is, I come to proclaim today that it is jubilee, y'all. Your debt has been canceled. I'm providing rest to you. And you no longer have to work for this thing. I have it in store for you because you are my children. I, uh... The other day, me and my wife, we were, we, were, we were doing something, an event. This was a little while ago now, I think. We were at an event and we were doing some stuff. And my, uh, my, my kids don't have a phone. I don't trust them with a phone yet. You, your six-year-old has a phone. God bless you. But I'm like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not get, we'll figure it out. Um, but uh, but I, I have a ring. And we had a ring that was outside. And y'all don't judge me. But this is how we communicate when we need to talk to the kids. They will come up to the ring. Dad, dad, dad. If we left, we don't usually leave them alone. But when we did. And so, you know what I'm saying? And so on this particular time, I'm trying to call them. And I'm like, I'm like, Jay, Ramses, Levi, Ramses, Levi, hey, answer. The ring is outside. They're inside. I, I don't remember, babe, I told my neighbor to go call them. I don't remember what it was, but my neighbor goes up to the house and my neighbor knocks on the door. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yo, my kids see my neighbor. My, my door has a, a mirror, at the, a window at the top. You can see who's there. Yo, they drop to the ground and hide. And I mean, I mean, if you ask them, they're like, yo, we could see him. You know what I mean? And he's like dropping. He's like knocking. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing? I can see you. And they're sitting there. They're just frozen. And they're like, your dad is calling you on the ring, bro. <laughs> oh, okay. And they get up like he couldn't see him. Like they're like hiding. And then they come out. They go up to the ring and I talk to them. Unfortunately, for so many of us, whenever we hear God's voice or even we hear about this thing called Christianity, religion has painted such a picture that we automatically drop to the floor and hide as if God can't see you. As if he's not watching you. As if he doesn't care for you. All he wants to do is have a conversation with you. All he wants to do is love you. But you're hiding and you're covering stuff up like he doesn't see it. Today, I come to tell you and I come to knock on your door. I hope you hear the Christmas ring that daddy wants you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. The Christmas holiday is about him showing his love to humanity, creating a plan and then starting it in motion by bringing his best gift to you, which was his son, so that you can have eternal life. The Christmas ring is daddy calling. Here's my question. Would you answer? Would you answer? Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people.
people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to 